This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. In 2015, the Center for Medical Progress released a series of videos taken by undercover journalists during a 30-month period. The videos captured Planned Parenthood officials and others discussing how they procure aborted fetuses, then harvest and sell various body parts to brokers. Nineteen of the videos were released until a judge ordered the Center for Medical Progress to cease. CMP officials say there are more videos awaiting to see the light of day. Planned Parenthood and affiliates retaliated, filing both civil and criminal charges against the Center and its members. Following a seven-week civil trial in San Francisco, federal trial judge William Oreck declared the center guilty of fraud, trespass, breach of contract, and eavesdropping as part of a conspiracy under the Federal Racketeering Act. The judge then directed the jury to assess damages, and the jury awarded more than $2.2 million. The trial itself was wrought with irregularities. One of the most egregious is that trial judge Oreck has direct links to Planned Parenthood and even helped establish an abortion resource center. One of the organizations that defended the Center for Medical Progress is the Thomas More Society. Thomas More Society is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. The Society's vice president and senior counsel, Peter Breen, is one of the lawyers active in the case. He discusses the case with me on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. First Liberty Institute yesterday sent a letter to the United States Army Trademark Licensing Office urging it to allow Shields of Strength, a private faith-based business, to continue producing military-themed items such as replica dog tags and jewelry. The Army banned the Shields after citing negative press it received in connection with the complaint from the atheist group Military Religious Freedom Foundation. For more than 20 years, Kenny Vaughn and his wife Tammy have been making Shields of Strength replica dog tags with encouraging Bible verses or references on them for service members and first responders. Shields of Strength replica dog tags bear various military-themed emblems, logos, or insignia on one side, and various faith-based messages such as scripture verses or references on the other side. To date, the Vaughns have made more than four million dog tags and given hundreds of thousands to the U.S. military and other ministries. This is World Lutheran News Digest. The work that here we longer Mr. Breen, thank you for joining me with World Lutheran News Digest today. What happened in the case of Planned Parenthood at all versus the Center for Medical Progress? Well, you know, we, we had a long, uh, grueling seven-week jury trial in federal district court in um, in San Francisco. You know, we, we had a, we had a tough set of rulings from our judge. So pretty much everything we wanted to do in terms of putting on evidence, uh, most everything, our legal uh, defenses, he stripped them away and then refused us uh, the ability to put on our evidence. But you know, we still we still held out hope. But uh, once, you know, we had a San Francisco jury, so we knew we were going to be in tough sledding just with that uh, general population of folks. And so they, they, uh, they returned a verdict, two, over $2.2 million, uh, racketeering, fraud, contract, breach, trespass, uh, everything else, 
and so we are going to have to fight this on appeal. And that's that's against David Delayden, the brave videographer, you know, and, and, and he and all of his colleagues who who were did such incredible public service exposing the selling uh, of baby body parts post-abortion. Uh, terrible, gruesome stuff. But again, uh, that is the price uh, he is uh, currently put on his head for what he's had to do. And again, we're going to fight it very strongly. We think this verdict uh, has horrific consequences for uh, pro-life work in terms of journalism and also more generally for just uh, just any sort of journalism under the First Amendment. Well, there were similar cases that have been held prior in California where there were undercover journalists, and they were cleared. Well, in fact, the uh, right after David was uh, was first, uh, you know, he's also being prosecuted by the Attorney General. Kamala Harris was the one at the time. She's the senator, now the presidential candidate. She had a press conference with the animal rights uh, uh, folks who had gone undercover and under the same legal theory, would have been uh, would have been you know, illegal. It would have done uh, done terrible things if the uh, if the attorney general had had uh, had not liked their politics. Uh, but instead, they were feted and had a had a big press conference. So so the rule in California is not being evenly applied. You know, if, if you do it for the wrong reasons in terms of you know being pro life, well then all of a sudden we're going to throw the book at you. You do it for the right reasons, and you're getting uh, you know getting a ticker tape parade. Sounds to me like an equal application law, 14th Amendment, might apply to this. Well, and on the, on the criminal prosecution side, we are raising that because that's, uh, you know, clearly the attorney general of California is biased. Uh, you know, the, the new guy, uh, you know, he took over after uh, Senator Harris uh, was elevated to the, to the U.S. Senate, now the presidential campaign. Uh, the new guy is Javier Becerra. He, uh, on his election night victory party, it was paid for by Planned Parenthood. You know, the same Planned Parenthoods that are suing David, and he uh, he gave his uh, and he gave his big victory speech in front of a Planned Parenthood banner and talked about how wonderful Planned Parenthood was as he's prosecuting someone at their behest. So, I mean, if that's not a conflict, I don't know what is. One of the things about the civil trial that uh, appalled me, I guess, maybe I'm not that familiar with the procedure, but. When the case went to the jury, the judge said, "Okay, I find these people guilty of everything that's been they've been accused of. All you have to do now is to assess damages." Is that standard in this type of trial? Well, and that's called a directed verdict. So the judge takes issues out of the hands of the jury. And the problem was uh, he took certain uh, two issues that were really critical. Number one was trespass. So think about this: David and his team, uh, David Delighton and his team, paid fees. And were handed badges to come into uh, hotel ballrooms for conferences. And Planned Parenthood called that trespass. And we said, that's, that's the furthest thing from trespass. You know, first off, they don't even own the property, so they can't enforce a trespass, right? But second, he paid. They handed him the badge. He did everything he was supposed to do. Uh, but uh, the judge actually took that out of the hands of the jury, and we thought we would win on that claim. Uh, but again, the judge took it out of the hands of the jury. So, so really, the first question the jury was presented on their 50-page jury verdict form was uh, it, they were told, David and his team trespassed. How much damage did they cause? And of course, at that point, you know, you kinda, you're, you're orienting the jury's mind in the wrong place in the first place. And, you know, it, it just, uh, I mean, that was one of a number of rulings, along with uh, they had said, you know, the judge ruled that, uh, that, that David had breached some contracts. They were very, very, uh, uh, very thin in terms of the legal argument and their uh, their language is very loosey-goosey. But again, the judge took that out of the hands of the jury. That was another one we thought we would be able to win. 
uh, if the jury actually had a chance to take a look at it. With and, and I'll tell you, we, we had a we had a really tough set of jury instructions. Uh, pretty much everything Planned Parenthood wanted in the jury instructions they got. Uh, most everything we wanted was struck, uh, and and just I, I'll say this. Uh, one of my colleagues, who's a very, very fine trial attorney named Chuck LaMandry out of uh, San Diego, he was sitting there and going, you know, I usually win all of these rulings. You know, not, sometimes, you know, if, if I'm having a bad day, I win half of them. Uh, I've never seen a case where you win so few of them uh, when you're when we were totally right on the law. And so those are all issues we're going to be able to bring on appeal. But again, that's, that doesn't stop it from being a pretty, pretty rough, rough uh, road to hoe and looking at a multi-million dollar judgment now. One of the things I saw was that uh, they were, the judge also said that they had violated the NDA's non-disclosure agreement. Yet they never signed a non-disclosure agreement. How can, how can you violate an agreement that you weren't party to? Well, that's that's part of the you know some of the, some of our contract issues. You see, it, when when a company wants to enforce a contract against an individual, and the company used a form contract. Well, at that point, you've got to really, uh, you know, you have to pick through the language. And, and especially when, uh, when you've got an individual versus a company, company drafted the language, any ambiguities in the language are held against the company. It's just the natural way of contract law. Otherwise, uh, you know, anytime you sign something at a store or you opened a set of software and clicked a box, you know, you'd be, you know, you'd be signing away your life. Uh, you know, and so, and so when, when they came to court, though, uh, it was almost like the burden was reversed. It was on us to try to prove that somehow the language was uh, was not am- you know, was ambiguous or something like that. We're looking at it, going, Judge, please, you know that the, the uh, uh, these you know these these contracts were not not in any way clear, and and they actually the Planned Parenthood contracts didn't even prohibit taping or 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 distributing videotape. So for that reason, yeah, it wasn't an NDA at all, you know, non disclosure agreement at all. But again, we were held to a, a very a much higher standard than the language of the contract and, and contract law uh, would allow normally. Let's discuss a little bit about uh, the judge in this. I know that you had asked him to recuse himself because of, of uh, conflict of interest and ties with Planned Parenthood. Could you discuss that? Thomas More Society, we have never in our 20 plus year history filed a motion to uh, recuse a judge for cause. So in other words, because there's either bias or an appearance of bias. So that's all the law requires, an appearance of bias. This particular judge had actually helped to set up a Planned Parenthood clinic for one of the Planned Parenthood uh, affiliates in California that were suing David. And so we said, well, that, you know, that doesn't look good. Uh, so that alone, we said, you know, that that is uh, something that, especially in a high profile case where the whole country is watching, you really shouldn't be sitting on that case when you've got such a close connection to one of the plaintiffs, uh, particularly, again, and a political plaintiff. But then there was another thing that really got us. During the trial, the judge's spouse, uh, his wife, who's uh, very active apparently on Facebook, uh, has a profile. And, and as many people, many spouses do, uh, the picture on her profile is the judge and her. And uh, she was on Facebook and was taking steps that showed she was very much in support of Planned Parenthood and against David, including uh, endorsing an article that called David and and his team uh, domestic terrorists uh, and called for them to be put in prison. So now at that point, we just said that that's too much. Uh, You know, and and then we were we were getting these rulings that were very, very adverse on the law. So really tough rulings. And we're sitting here going, you know, what is going on here? And so we we 
took a, the, the, it's a pretty big step. You normally don't do this as a lawyer, but we took that step and said, look, we, we think that the court needs to be, you know, the judge needs to be removed. And, uh, you know, the judge denied it. Or, I mean, he passed along to the next judge. And, you know, and of course, the, you know, I, I, you know, the judge down the hall, I, I mean, that's, that's a tough thing. So we are going to, uh, you know, it was denied there. We are going to raise that at the Ninth Circuit. At least that's our plan right now. Uh, because, it, again, we've only done this once, and this is the only time in our history. It's such a rare step, but, you know, the facts were pretty, pretty tough here. And, and, and you as a if you were sitting there and you were getting sued and you found out, hey, the judge had a connection to the plaintiff. And then the judge's spouse was out on Facebook with a picture of the judge endorsing article saying you're a domestic terrorist and you should be thrown in prison. Uh, you'd you'd say, you know, I don't know that I'm getting a fair shake here. So that's that's something that we are going to continue to raise uh, as we move forward. One positive aspect of this uh, procedure that I saw was that uh, the court was forced to admit, and Planned Parenthood was forced to admit, that the videos that the CMP took of them were accurate. <laughs> that was the thing, Kim. From for for years, they, you know, there's been talk. Oh well, you know, they were selectively edited. They were heavily edited. What have you? And then when push came to shove in court where you need hard evidence, very quietly at the end of the trial, there was a stipulation and they agreed all of the words on the videos were the words of our people. And they never, ever offered any evidence that what was put on the videos was in any way inaccurate. Uh, and, and, and if you go back and watch the, the published videos, there were ten, roughly 10 minute or so published videos, um, you know, David and his team released the whole video of a conversation, not just the short part. So they released two videos, uh, which is more than 60 minutes or, you know, primetime live or, you know, 2020 used to do, you know, when, when uh, you know, you'd see the undercover investigations on TV. They don't do that even there. He did it. And you see, you look and you say, look, the clips are absolutely accurate reflections of what was going on in the conversation. Uh, so, I mean, that that was some, that was really an incredible moment. But, of course, it's been overshadowed now by the by this jury verdict. And, you know, the more broad point is that we were unable to show the videos themselves, the actual published videos in court to the jury. And that is a whole other uh, matter that that uh, the public reacted Planned Parenthood claimed damage because the public reacted, and the jury wasn't even able to see what the public was reacting to to make their own assessment of whether it was reasonable to then charge David and his team uh, for whatever the public did to Planned Parenthood after they saw these videos and saw them selling baby parts and all of that stuff. Even though the videos were public? <laughs> yes. So it's funny. The whole country, so think about this. You know, you're sitting there through this trial. The members of the jury could literally go on YouTube and in 10, you know, I mean, in 10 seconds, find these videos, watch them and make their own decision. But they were unable to do so. We were unable to show them to the jury, uh, even though the whole case was about those published videos. We were able to talk about the publication. The other side was able to say, oh, look at all these terrible things. Look at the threats that came to our people because of these publications. Bah, 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 bah. They were able to go into all this you know, terrible detail. And we weren't able to actually show the jury the full measure of what had been found, what had been discovered. All of the just damning evidence of Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers being willing to change abortion procedures, being willing, you know, looking for more money out of the abortion and out of that aborted uh, child. Uh, so we just weren't able to show that. And, and here was the thing. Planned Parenthood was allowed over our strenuous objections. They were allowed to show uh, statistics 
of violence at abortion clinics against abortion providers. So literally, they were able to put on experts and talk about murder of abortion providers, where there have been eight of them uh, since 19, I believe from 1993 to 2014. They were able to talk about attempted murder, arson, all of which had absolutely no connection to David and his team. And in fact, they admitted they had no connection to David and his team. They were able to put that in front of the jury just to smear David. And we weren't even able to show the honest, true videos that were the subject of the lawsuit. Also, as I recall, the videos were examined by, I think it was Coal Fire. It's a forensic organization. And said, yeah, the videos are yeah. they're, they're accurate. And even Fusion GPS, which, as you know, is a left-wing organization, said essentially that the videos were okay. Well, and that, that was the thing. Right after the videos came out, Planned Parenthood was reeling. So they hired Fusion GPS, which, of course, now is, is famous because of the, uh, the Steele dossier uh, that was used against President Trump and Hil- the Hillary Clinton campaign paid them for that. Uh, that same outfit, Planned Parenthood hired them to try to save their bacon at the time uh, to say, all oh, these videos are fake. And even Fusion GPS had said there was no dubbing or anything like that. And, uh, and it really, you know, by the end of it, Planned Parenthood literally in this lawsuit, uh, you know, we were we, the defense, were trying to do discovery about Fusion GPS. They refused discovery and said we're dropping any claim related to to the Fusion GPS report. Uh, I mean, so really they entirely Planned Parenthood entirely stepped back from their position that somehow these videos were inaccurate representations of what had been said and what was really going on at Planned Parenthood. And didn't Judge Oreck also say that it didn't really matter that the videos were accurate? Well, this, this is one of the grave, grave problems in the way that, uh, the, way that the court and the judge uh, allowed Planned Parenthood to run wild uh, with their claims. Under long-settled law, uh, uh, I don't want to do too much of a history lesson, but in the early 90s, Food Lion sued ABC because ABC did an undercover investigation of Food Lion showed terrible things happening behind the meat counter and in the back. In fact, the ABC reporters went and got jobs at Food Lion and were doing food handling. So if you think about that, that's, that's, that's much more um, invasive, if, if you will, uh, than anything David and his team even imagined doing. Uh, so, so they got jobs, and, and, and uh, Food Lion sued ABC. The jury uh, gave a multi-million dollar verdict. It was reversed on appeal down to $2. Oh. Uh, so, but, but, so that, that happened in 1992. Uh, so, but that's the settled law in this area of undercover journalism. And, and that, that entitles you to two things. Number one, any damages that come from the publication of the videos. So anything that the public does in reaction to the videos or anything that was done really after the video is published, you can't get damages from it. The First Amendment prevents it because the First Amendment protects the publication of the videos. That's number one. Number two, in that case, they were entitled, the, the, the ABC was entitled to an instruction that everything said on the videos was true. And so we asked for those two instructions from this judge uh, in San Francisco. So we were actually entitled to an instruction that everything on those videos is true. And instead, every time anything came up about the videos, the judge would go, uh, you know, that the truth or falsity is hotly disputed, hotly disputed. And, and then, you know, Planned Parenthood was able to just say, well, you know, we, you know, we look at all the violence and everything else that occurred after people watched these videos and got really, really mad at Planned Parenthood. Uh, so we, we actually we, we were entitled to that instruction, and then we get the final jury instructions. So the First Amendment was in, was addressed. You know we you know at, at worst we said well look then leave the First Amendment out of the jury instructions. 
uh, because then we'll argue it during our closing argument and, you know, let people of the jury try to, you know, just tell them, hey, the First Amendment protects us. Uh, but instead, the judge didn't do that. He actually went one step the other way. He said he included an instruction very specifically that the First Amendment is not a defense in any way to the claims of the lawsuit. And that is not that's a false statement of law, but it's actually the opposite of the instruction we're entitled to under the settled law of journalism uh, that, that all of us rely on. You know, whether you're pro-life or whether you're an animal rights person or you're looking at you know, corrupt politicians, or you're looking at, uh, you know, anything, dirty businesses, any of that. Uh, so th- there were just some incredible, incredible abuses of the law uh, in this case. Where do we go from here? You've spoken of an appeal. How does this work? We're, we're doing post-trial motions right now. So we, we've got to preserve all of our issues for appeal. And then we will go up to the Ninth Circuit, uh, which, which folks, I, I know, you know, the Ninth Circuit has gotten a little bit of a, a bad reputation over the last few years. Just uh, they were the most reversed circuit and things like that. But uh, President Trump has now put he has more nominees to the Ninth Circuit than any other president. So the Ninth Circuit is a much more balanced court than it used to be. So we actually have a really good chance, I would say, uh, I mean, there's a much better chance of getting a fair hearing at the Ninth Circuit uh, than we might have even four years ago, uh, just based on the politics of the thing. But again, we're not going up, you know, saying, hey, we're pro-life. No, we're going up saying this is a First Amendment issue. If this jury verdict is allowed to stand, then every other news organization, you know, including, you know, including the ones that, that uh, each particular judge might prefer, or every, every advocacy organization, including the ones that the judge might prefer, all of them are at grave risk of being hailed into court, hit with multi-million dollar judgments, just for doing the same thing that undercover journalists have been doing for over 100 years in this country. And this is where the First Amendment comes in, uh, protecting the protecting the media for this, and also protecting well free speech. Right. And the main the main point is, look, you know, we we don't hold the journalist responsible for the public's reaction ah, to that, the journalistic. That's report. the point I wanted to get at. Right, and then that's the you know what? And look, journalists are here. I mean, the, the, the point of the, the First Amendment, you know, it's, it's often called, you know, it's, it's the freedom for the speech we hate. And in a related way, it's, it's the freedom for the reporting that is the most difficult. Uh, you know, the reporters that are reporting stuff that, that people want to hear or that's, that's politically popular or socially acceptable. That's not what, why we have legal protections. We have the legal protections for the reporting that's tough, for the stuff we really don't want to see. I mean, who wants to see materials about you know, children being cut up and, and their parts sold and all oh, just terrible, terrible things. But it has to be done. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you saw the, the public reaction was, was swift. Uh, you saw Planned Parenthood defunded in numerous states, criminal investigations. The, the Congress issued numerous criminal referrals. Uh, I mean, it, it impacted uh, the 2016 presidential election on both sides, the Republican and the Democratic side. So this sort of reporting is socially valuable. Uh, and again, you know, maybe it's not your issue. Maybe there's, you know, this issue of the baby body parts is not something that grabs grabs hold of you. But but there's some issues that you really care about. You know, again, it could be corrupt politicians. I'm, I'm talking to you from from outside of Chicago, so it's, that's kind of a big issue for us here. Uh, whatever your issue, you know, you need the information that undercover journalists are able to provide. And also, I, as I understand, even though the Planned Parenthood was was claiming uh, about violence against Planned Parenthood in abortion facilities, I don't believe any one of these have has ever been linked to the videos. So what we did here was the thing: the 
the they have these uh, the, the alleged violence statistics at the National Abortion Federation, and we brought in uh, distinguished professor Michael New uh, from Washington. Or he was at, uh, he's at the Catholic University of America in Washington, and he pretty much ripped up their statistics. He said, you know, they they weren't worth the paper they were printed on. And, you know, it, it's, you know, it's pretty much a, a, a propaganda piece uh, from this abortion organization. But even when you look at their statistics, there was no statistically significant increase year over year after the videos published. But you know what there was a, a, a massive increase in? It was peaceful picketing activity outside of abortion facilities. And so they, the other side calls that violence. Uh, that's their, that's, you know, they... You say, oh, you know, that, that, uh, that's intimidation. What happened? You know, peaceful picketing, praying, sidewalk counseling in front of abortion facilities skyrocketed after these videos came out. And, and apparently, and what I'm told is, the levels have stayed pretty high even now today, four years later, which is a great testament uh, to the people of the country for reacting in a, in a, in a wonderful, peaceful way uh, to seeing this information and just to the steadfastness of, of people of faith and others who just don't like abortion and who have been you know, faithful in, in attending at the clinics. I'd like to point out also that uh, people listening to this program can't actually view these videos. They are on the uh, Center for Medical Progress's website. I've seen them any number of times, and I urge people to do that. And, and that's the thing. You know, we, we had thought that Planned Parenthood wouldn't sue back four years ago because they didn't want the additional publicity. But now that we've had this massive jury verdict, you know, people are now going back and looking at these videos again and reminding themselves of why uh, they were so outraged four years ago. And, and they're really helping to you know, kind of rekindle some folks to say, hey, you know, I, I'm going to see if I want to do something about this. I'm going to go out and, you know, and, and do something peaceful. I'm going to support my local pregnancy center. I'm going to go and pray at an abortion facility. I'm going to go and maybe call my congressman or my, my local legislator and, and try to get them to change some policy. And so... We are hoping that something good can come out of this evil uh, that has that has really you know, really befallen David and his team uh, out of this district court in San Francisco. Well, Mr. Breen, we're about out of time, and this, of course, is an ongoing story, and it's going to be uh, played out for who knows how long. So I'm sure we'll be in touch in the future. Thanks for talking to me. Hey, thank you, Kip. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.